Millennials are grossly underestimated. Their jobs aren't their whole world. They have options, they have the internet. Job satisfaction and strength of relationships, there ain't no app for that. Education is not a mechanical system, it's a human system. Any kind of work that's on some level predictable, then that's gonna be susceptible to artificial intelligence and, and machine learning. And that job, where you go to a building and you stay there 40 hours, and then you do that again for 40 years and then you retire, that's gone. Technology magnifies our leverage and increases our creativity. Stay hungry, stay foolish. Please wait as your individualized operating system is initiated. This is the Powerful Nonsense Podcast, guiding you through the madness of modern life. Now, here are your hosts, Wayne Ingram and Jem Yildiz. Sup, gangsters? Hello, pranksters. Uh, I wasn't ready for a rhyming competition. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 209 of Powerful Nonsense. Um... If you're joining us for the first time, I am Wayne Ingram. I am Jem Yordis. And this is the Powerful Nonsense Podcast, the millennial podcast. I overslept this morning, didn't I, Jem? You did? Yep. I've gone, I gone, gone after. We need to figure out an but alarm system. I, I know, right? I, want, I actually want to know if I am the only person that has this same thing with alarms, where my body just learns what the alarm system is and then just goes nope i know what you're trying to do at like seven o'clock in the morning it's just like nope i know your game not playing that game anymore i'm gonna sleep through my alarm your brain has cleverly managed to like block out the sound of your alarm yeah wipe it off it's like the the neural network of does the alarm go off or do you turn it off without knowing both sometimes this morning actually was my my more my phone was in exactly the same place that it was when i turned my alarm on last night and my alarm was set to go off at like seven o'clock. Um, so I'm thinking this morning my body just slept all the way through. As in the alarm was The alarm was still going off. When you finally woke up. When I finally woke up. That is mental. Yeah. I don't know how you do Quite often, normally, I will get up out of bed because I put my phone on the other side of the room just to try and like completely make sure I have to get out of bed. So... Normally, what will happen is I'll go over to the other side of the room, pick up my phone, snooze the alarm, and then the next one. I I have I'm one of those people that has like twenty alarms. That's crazy, and it's still not enough. So I'm I've got to think of a new plan. I think you just get up at the first snooze. Yeah, but the problem is the problem is right is what happens is my brain doesn't wake up quick enough. When my alarm goes off, my brain does not wake up quick enough. Quite often, I will wake up, like, a couple of hours after my alarm was due to go off. My phone will be in my bed <laughs> at this point, and I have no memory of how it got there. Like, literally, no memory. It's like I'm, I'm still dreaming when I turn my alarm off. It's like my brain is just going... Autopilot. Yeah, yeah, complete autopilot. And I just wonder if anybody else has that, or if it's just me. We need some answers. Maybe that's my superpower. Lazy bastard. <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a superpower. I don't know what's super about that. Uh, <laughs> my costume would be great, but I'd never finish it. It would be a blanket. It, <laughs> it would just be a blanket. <laughs> or a sleeping bag. <laughs> <laughs> you know how, like, Superman goes into telephone boxes? Yeah. I get in a sleeping bag. And that's and it. That, and I don't that's come back it. out. <laughs> like, I see danger. Get yeah. into the sleeping bag. Do it up. And then that's it. <laughs> 
<laughs> worst superhero ever. Oh, I'd like somebody to create a comic book of that superhero, actually. I think it'd be great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> their, their, great their arch nemesis would be the procrastinator. <laughs> it'd be great. Anyway, <laughs> so... Um, this episode is not about Wayne's sleeping patterns. No, not at all. Not even in the slightest. Um, got a few things that we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about the millennial tendency to job hop, whether that's good, whether that's bad, and what effects that's going to have in the long term for both employers and employees. Um, we're also going to be talking about something that I think is really cool, is um, brain backup. A brain backup organisation has... Uh, had their funding cut or no, no no they've just been dropped by a um university right so research into the brain backup if you watch black mirror then my god you know exactly what we're talking about particularly season three um so we'll be diving into that later and if we have time we'll hop into the book club which Em can talk about a book that he's been reading um but before we get into all of that uh it's time for the quote of the week So, this is a good quote. This is a great quote from uh, the one and only Alan Watts, who we've talked about for many years on the show, because he comes out with great pearls of wisdom. So, the quote is, No one is more dangerously insane than one who is sane all the time. He is like a steel bridge without flexibility, and the order of his life is rigid and brittle. Yes, it's a good one. And I think a lot of the time we kind of put an expectation on ourselves that we should always have it together, that we should have a routine. You even moan when that routine, oh, I haven't found the routine or I'm not sleeping in the right way or everybody kind of puts a lot of pressure on themselves to be rigid. And I think what Alan Watts is saying here is saying that actually it's not good to be that way. Number one, you kind of then, you're kind of, you, it's like when you do find yourself doing something regularly, you know at some point you're going to break. If not, you're kind of like robotic. Mm. And so actually I think that he's saying here, kind of like release the pressure on yourself in terms of like feeling like you've always got to have it under control. Yeah. There are days when you're going to just feel like, wow, everything's gone crazy. And I think it is that sort of up and down that rhythm of life that you've got to kind of accept. I come, I come sometimes like look at my house and I think, wow, how has it got this messy I'm so organized usually. And it's kind of like, you just got to accept it and be like, look, this is just part of that flow of this week. And so, yeah, that's what I think he's trying to say here. Yeah. Yeah. I think, cause I think it's, it's always, a, it's always an aim to have all your shit together in, you know, I think everybody is always working towards that goal. Um, but at the same time, life happens and, um, it's only going to fuck itself up. If you've got everything under control, it's to the point that you are not prepared for any, other eventualities there was a great film it was a br- old school british comedy with john cleese in it um playing a school teacher i can't remember what the hell it was called i'll have to find it and we'll link it to the show notes great little um british comedy film <clears throat> john cleese playing this school teacher i think he might have been the head teacher and everything was timetabled like to the minute like literally every detail of his day. And then this whole film takes place where one thing throws his whole timetable off by like a minute. And then just how that affects the rest of his day. Really, really funny little film. Um, but yeah, don't be John Cleese. <laughs> yeah. Also look into Nassim Taleb's anti-fragile. And I think that kind of backs mm. up the need for having some sort of like randomness and kind of not as such a set schedule in your life and how that can be an actual benefit towards you. Hmm. 
Yeah, I'm getting into, I'm getting into the. I mean, this is more book club relevant, but I'm getting into books a little bit more all of a sudden. Actually, reading or listening? Yeah, well, a bit of both, a bit of both. But I'm definitely the book thing is starting to intrigue me, mm-hmm. which is good. Right, so that's the quote of the week done. So let's talk about our story of the week. So, there have been reports, there have been reports, guys, there have been stories. Um, A study has been done, I can't remember who did the study, but apparently 75% of millennials think that job hopping looks good. So, I think, number one, I think job hopping does look good for millennials nowadays. I think, obviously, it depends on what... Do you think it does? I think so. I feel like this is going to get into a debate very quick. Which is kind of what I want. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it depends on the career also. Do you think it looks good or do you think it is good? I think it is good and I think the looking good is like a old school thing because I mm-hmm. think nowadays there's so many reasons why it's useful. Like I think job hopping, I'm not saying change your job every couple of months. Like that's stupid. But I'm saying like... <laughs> yeah, heard it here first, guys. <laughs> Can we have that as an Instagram quote? Yeah. <laughs> but I think if you like stay at a place maybe a couple of years and then jump, then fair enough. And obviously, mm. that's where I think they're talking about job hopping. They say actually like someone classed as a job hopper is someone who changes, is it five five or more jobs in a 10-year period, which is like once every two years, which I think is totally fine because I think a lot of time... That's normal, right? Yeah, but I think you've kind of like, you've learned a lot about that business. I think you've got the ins and outs. You've probably pushed, like gone forward in it. And I think as well, sometimes you get very stagnant in roles. And I think actually mm. job hopping is a good opportunity to kind of challenge yourself. It's a bit like that quote at the beginning. It's like, you don't want to get so consistent that your job becomes sort of like autopilot. Mm. You kind of want to make sure that you're pushing yourself. You never know. There could be new changes in how your job works. And actually other companies are more forward thinking. I think pay doesn't really go up and I think a lot of the time that's probably because people aren't asking for pay rises and so they jump job to get the pay rise rather than discuss it with a manager or something like that so I think pay rises yeah that's it does happen but maybe you should try actually speak to your boss if that's the only reason why you're jumping job also it's coming more of a challenge for actual managers to actually keep people on and keep them entertained long enough Keep them entertained. You've yawned a few times now, Wayne. <laughs> I told you, I, I overslept. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I think ultimately it's up to a, a manager to make the job enjoyable and exciting for someone. So you have to be kind of entertained. You still got to get your job done. But like, what's the reason for sticking around? The other thing I was thinking about lately is actually, which kind of kind of goes against what I'm saying, because I think about my girlfriend, because she's thinking about like switching up her job and what for her like her manager is leaving and so i guess sometimes the bad part of job hopping is that actually if everybody does it so it often a knock-on effect as well, yeah it? it means that actually you've kind of solidified yourself in a team which you enjoy and then one leaves and it breaks that team up and the mm. next one leaves and so it doesn't ever give you a, a point where you can all have a good rhythm as a team so i think for the individual it's very beneficial for the the business it's not I, like i say to people who work for me like the people that have worked for us for like a year, year and a half, it's like so important to a company to have people like that because they're like the foundation. But then it is up to you as a manager to kind of make that business worth staying at. Mm. So I think right now, yes, I can understand why millennials job hop because there's all benefits to be had. But actually I think it should, this should be a kind of kick up the ass to managers and say, okay, 
if they're if they're moving for these reasons how do i make sure those reasons are available within the current job they have mm-hmm. also right like because when we were when we were at school we were never <laughs> we were never ever sold on the idea of uh essentially manual labor menial task stuff we were never sold on that stuff we were always sold on uh high-end jobs really if you think about it we were always sold on high-end jobs it was never like you're going to leave school and then you're going to go and you're going to stack some shelves and you're going to be there for six months and then maybe after six months they might put you on a till (laughs) <laughs> like we were never sold that dream <laughs> for obvious reasons, I think. But I think that then bring has brought millennials into the workplace with kind of high expectations of what they can achieve. And so I think what happens then is you get you go into a job, you think, OK, in a few years time, there's it's going to there's going to be some career path that's going to appear. And I'm going to suddenly be like, OK, I know what I'm doing now. And then after two or three years you suddenly realize, actually, if a career path does appear, it's going to be another five years before I move up. And um, I'm not here for the long term. Like, I I don't want to be stacking shelves for another five years. I mean, I'm using stacking shelves as a a bad example, but I think you get the concept, right? And, um, And so because we were sold on top, 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 top jobs, it's like, well, what am I doing here? I think that's part of the problem. And I think a lot of, again, it goes back to what we've talked about before about millennials wanted to make impact. There's, I don't think, I think this idea that millennials in, are entitled, particularly as it comes to work, is completely um, unfair because actually I think it's not that we're entitled. We have no problem going in and starting at the bottom. What we do have a problem with is when we start at the bottom and everybody goes, okay, great. And then there's no kind of, <clears throat> when we as millennials don't like being taken for granted we don't like being held back um we like to make an impact and actually if we're held back at the bottom we're like well we can't make an impact because you're not giving us the autonomy and the ability and the influence within the company to actually make a positive change and I think that's actually what causes a lot of that job hopping as you said it's up to the imp- it's up to the employer to make it tempting for the worker to stay. It's not the other way around. And I think, I think a part of the problem is, is there's been, excuse me, <coughs> there's been such a paradigm shift in the power that the employer has over the employee and how much that has changed now. And actually, I think we as a workforce, as millennials, have gone, well, actually, just because you're paying our bills doesn't mean that you have the right to dictate what happens outside of these walls. Once I step out of that door, if I want to find another job, I will damn find another job. Whereas actually years ago, it's almost like I always had the perspective at least that, that people were held to ransom almost when they were at work. And it was like, well, you can't leave. You can't leave because how are you going to get another job? And actually now, I mean, when the next recession hits, the tune will probably change significantly. But as of now, it's like, well, I can get another job, no problem. Um, And so long as somebody is willing to do anything, they can always get another job because there are so many jobs out there. And 
um, as I've said before, if you are willing to do anything to earn your money, you will get a job. <laughs> like, you will. Easy. Because there's just so much work. As I've said before, if somebody was desperate for work, like desperate for work, and they would do anything, I could get, I could point them in the direction of several organizations that would likely hire them within the next month. Yeah, I do also think there's a level of like impatience from millennials as well. I do think that as soon as you get into work within two years, millennials are having a set kind of, I want to be at this level by now, or they're looking straight to the top. How do I get there as quick as possible? And I think in that sense, I think that that's why job hopping occurs. Hmm. And so I, I think on the whole manager front, I think what they need to do is kind of like even I've started doing it in my company, it's kind of like looking at the ages of people that work for us and what are their needs in that time. So mm -hmm. we've got the students. So the students just want flexibility. They want money. They're going to, we've got to have like different category for them. We've got the other people who kind of move into the, the end of like the late twenties and we go, okay, what are their needs? What are they thinking at the moment? What are their, they want in career. They're thinking, okay, I'm getting to this age. When am I, am I going to, is this going to develop into something? Because you've got to also look at the type of like career it is. If it's hospitality, what are the developments you can mm. have? And so I think I think a lot of um, employees need to kind of take that seriously and actually really consider where that person is in their life and what their goals might be at that time in their life. And then kind of, again, it's, I think all it needs is a communication between both manager and the mm -hmm. employee. And I think that way job hopping doesn't have to occur as yep. often and it means that you're going to get a lot more loyalty from your team and actually i just think in the long run i think people if they like the company they will want to be there for longer mm. and the and it's only a benefit to the business because those those people that are long term are really the foundation so if you're someone who's not actually happy in your job and you're thinking yeah actually my cv does show that i job hop every two years ask mm. yourself what are the questions you're asking yourself for why you're leaving those jobs after two years and is there any way you can have that conversation with your manager to say, hey, um, I'm thinking about leaving because of X, Y, and Z. And I think my, my girlfriend's done this with her manager and said, look, they were like, they've sat down with an appraisal and said, is there anything we can improve? Is there any, are you considering moving roles and stuff like that? And they have that conversation. Mm. And then she can clearly bring up, these are the things that I'm considering. These are the kind of roles I want. This is the kind of challenges I'm after. And they say, okay, well, let me see what I can do. And hopefully maybe they can, or if not, they accept that at least the conversation has been had, they can plan ahead. And that person can go and do what they wish. So I just think it is all about communication, ultimately. <clears throat> yeah, I think so. But I think also what I would say is that is that, as far as I'm concerned, is down to the employer, not the employee. And I think we've got this old, maybe, maybe you disagree as an employer, but as I think we have this old school mentality as management where it's like, well, make the place look really great and fun to work at in the interview. We'll interview them and then we'll make them fall in love with the place and then we'll train them up. And after a month we've done our bit and then, you know, maybe in like three years time, you might give them a small pay rise. Um, and, and then that's it. That's it. Then we've got them. And there's this whole, again, there's this kind of mentality. It's like, well, we own them. Hmm. And, and I, I just think it's so backwards because actually, millennials are thinking much more along the lines of well i'm i am giving you my time in exchange for money mm -hmm. um and yes you're paying me that money but respect my goddamn time um and i think that's the that's the shift that's happened and i think that's why a lot of businesses particularly small businesses <clears throat> i think really struggle because there's this idea that well 
I, I still cannot get my head around when managers uh, like talk to their employers like they don't do anything outside of work. Mm-hmm. Like when they when it's like, well, this is your life, and it's like, no, no, this is your life, not my life. And I, and I think that's that's where the paradigm shifts happening. And I think if employers can start to to see that shift happen and actually make it. So if if you can make it so that your employers, employees, sorry, enjoy coming to work, mm-hmm. then the job hopping is going to be so much less because it's just like, well, I actually enjoy being here. So I'm getting something out of it more than just my paycheck. Yeah. And I think like not to blow my own trumpet, but like even lately we've realized that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, we've realized that and we've like set a sort of appraisal scheme with all our staff now. And after six months or so, three months even, and we'll sit down and actually talk to people. But even lately, like even just doing that, I managed to like talk to one of our employees and um, she just started getting into gardening. And then out of nowhere, I was like, you know what, actually, I spoke to my, obviously my partner and I said, look, why don't we send her a load of gardening equipment? And then that's something that's sort of like, look, we care about what you do outside of work. Here's a load of gardening Mm -hmm. stuff. And I felt like even just that caused her to feel like, wow, they value me beyond what I'm doing just in the job. And we respect that. And it's kind of like a, a reward scheme, but actually it also takes into consideration what they generally like doing mm. outside of work. And I think going forward, I think a lot of companies are going to need that. Otherwise, job hopping is going to become rife. And actually, it's just going to actually destroy the foundations of good businesses because they're not, like you say, putting in that effort. And I, I agree totally with what you say. It is up to the employer to be um, accountable to that, to have those mm. conversations and not be too busy that actually the employees are someone they just take for granted. Mm. Agreed. Agreed. So job hopping, good or bad? Long term, bad. Short term, good. But short it's for the individual it's good. Mm-hmm. For long term for business and the and the employee bad. Mm-hmm. So you just Yeah, gotta... if you job hop too much you're in trouble, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. Yeah. I agree. Cool. Excellent. Right. Let's dive into some tech news now. A brain backup company. Let me let me let me get this right. So a brain backup company has lost a partner in MIT, which is a American university, right? Yeah. Um, so this company that was developing technology in order to is developing still is still developing. So yeah. it's not it's not like it's not like ceased now. They've got funding. Oh, right. So they are still developed, but but MIT have... MIT were sort of like backing up the research. So they were sort of being the ones behind it saying, this works, this is what they're doing. It was kind of like using their skill set to help them move forward, like using their neuroscience departments, right. kind of backing up the research that they were saying as like their theories behind how it's going to work. But MIT have decided to actually drop out after, I think, because it went a bit viral, this news, pretty much the concept is to back up your brain and it's more around memories it's not about storing and recreating a human from their memories it's actually just having access to those memories which is a bit oh. so the idea was literally to kind of store the wealth of information in a person's brain after they're dead so that you could go back and say okay there's my dad's brain that's been scanned and i can just go look through it like i'm on a hard drive or when you do your time machine on your apple and you can kind of flick through different periods of time on your computer but you'd be able to do that with somebody's memory that's literally like 
You know when you just have an existential crisis? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm literally just listening to you explain the concept like that. I, that has just freaked me the fuck out. Like, yeah. I love the concept of being able to back up, but I have never thought of it in the concept of just, like, sitting on fucking Finder on a Mac and being like, oh, uh, going into a folder 1996 and fucking clicking on that little video of like me looking down at my fucking Euro 96 t-shirt in the middle of summer. Holy fuck. That is just. But at the moment you wouldn't be able to look at your own memories because it's currently, they're saying that this process is a hundred percent fatal, which means that as soon as they. Okay. Yeah. So as soon as you were to actually get it done, you would be killed in the process. Could they? Okay. So. I mean, I don't know if you know the answer to this, <laughs> but could they, um, could they back up your brain after you've died? This is what they're talking about as well. They're saying that obviously they say the brain's active for like a few minutes after death. Like oh, so still... it literally has to be instantaneous pretty much. So right? if you were to do, if you knew someone was dying, as soon as they're sort of registered dead, bam, you do the process and you could back it up. But obviously Man. at the moment, the process is if you decide to get backed up today, you'd be killed instantly by the process. And I think... So basically what it is, to talk in computer terms, it's not a case of copy and paste into another folder. No. It's literally a drag and drop. I've moved it out of the folder into a different hard drive. And the folder being you as a human. So your brain just goes, I'm empty now. Yeah. Pretty much. Fuck. Yeah. And so it kind of went a bit viral. The company's called, um, where is it? It's called Nectome. They've actually been um, funded by Y Combinator and other lot of people. I think they've raised nearly a million dollars. And they're the kind of people that have, um, Y Combinator, the ones who funded like Dropbox and stuff like that. So obviously people are backing what they're doing. And I think, I mean, I think they're already kind of on the way there. But I think because this whole viral, obviously it went a bit viral, this article saying that, wow, they've got a backup system that will actually kill you. And so I think the university don't want to be linked to a, technology technological advancement that kills people and i think that's their kind of reason for stepping back i don't know 100 percent, but i'm thinking in my head that's why they probably are at the moment a lot of people are afraid of technology where it's heading and so i'm sure the university don't want to be linked to amazing um jumps forward in technology but then this one that supposedly can kill people seems a step too far but um, it's still going ahead that's quite short-sighted of them though don't you think because Obviously, what will eventually happen is once... Because this technology is probably going to be advanced without their help anyway. Yeah. Because somebody's going to come on board and be like, I believe in this, and throw money at them. I mean, they've already got over half a million pounds worth of funding. Um, It's a bit short-sighted, right? Because if, if... At the minute, the technology, yes, does kill, but it will only be a matter of time before the duplicate function comes in as opposed mm-hmm. to the uh, the move function yeah. comes in. And actually, surely if they're backing the research and they're attached to the project, then they can actually push their agenda, which is which obviously there's nobody in this com- company that's like, let's develop a technology that kills people. Mm-hmm. Like they're obviously trying to solve a problem and they've only got to the point where it yeah. could kill people. But if they've got to the point where it's at least working in the sense of like, they can actually map the brain mm-hmm. and it kills people. Then the next logical step is, okay, we've got that technology. We now 50% how, kill people. Yeah, they're not very exactly. functional. Like how can, still alive. how can we get to the point where 
it doesn't kill people. Like, that would be the logical next step, I would have thought. Yeah. So I'm it's a bit sure, short-sighted. I'm I sure think. this is just probably, like, the marketing team of the university saying, no, this is too far. Yeah. This Look what it's done. It's damaging us. It's making us look like a, a company that backs killing people for technology purposes. And so, again, it's probably like a PR thing of why they've pulled out. Mm -hmm. But it's just a really interesting concept to see that <sighs> this is being created. It's something that's going to be possible. I think they've already figured out, like, how to map where negative memories are in the brain and how, how we can potentially wipe those out in the future. It's very much sci-fi. Dude, um, I mean, I... What was that film? The one where, is it Tom Cruise or one of those films where you jump into memories? I forgot what it's called. Oh, I don't know that film. And he goes onto the computer and he can... There's one where he's... <laughs> the Matrix? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'll have to remember the name of it. It's a really, really good film. I'm placing you under arrest for the future murder of Sarah Marks. Give the man his head. The future can be seen. All we have to run on are the images that they produce. We see what they see. There hasn't been a murder in six years. There's nothing wrong with the system. It is perfect. I agree. Murder can be stopped. Well, I'll, fi I'll figure it out and I'll add that to the link of the, p of the actual episode. But I mean... Right. I mean, I, I think it's well known that I am a technophile um, and I love my sci-fi and like, I just get so excited by this shit. Okay. Yes. It's dangerous. It's scary. It's all of the above, but it's so fucking exciting. Right. If you think about, and, and I was going to touch on this before we hit record and I was like, no, 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 I'm going to save it for the episode. I think our generation has got such a freaking unique perspective on this shit, right? Because our parents' generation is still scared to death by technology. Like, they don't get it. They're starting to get it, but only as much as if I press my screen now, it does stuff. Like, that's about... It's like, like what, trying to watch my mom use a computer in, like, the early noughties was horrendous. Like, I would rather, rather have somebody scratching a chalkboard in my presence than have to watch that because I get so frustrated. I'll be like, no, no, you click there. And she's like, what do you mean click? You're like, point the, point the mouse there. What's the mouse? And it's like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to talk in like really simple terms, like move the thing. So you see the arrow, the arrow, yeah. Move the arrow it's using that thing. Hand, yeah. 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 And point it towards, yeah. Just move it. Yeah. So you see how you're moving your hand and it moves the E, right? Now hover that over the blue E, <laughs> press the left button. And then yeah. <laughs> as the internet loads up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so we've gone from that. And like, like then obviously when my mum and dad got an iPad, that's all they fucking do now with their time in the evenings. They're just iPad in front of them. But we've got, I think we've got such a unique perspective because we know how to use all that technology. We've been, we've, we've been bought through the, we've gone through that transition. But can you remember when we were kids, right? And the, the, the high point of technology, the stuff that got us excited was that fucking uh, tape recorder that was on Home Alone where you could talk into it and then you could mm -hmm. rewind it and slow it down. And you can have lots of high-tech fun with Tiger's Talkboy tape recorder. Drooling on me. Hey, stop drooling on me. Like that was like the height of technology for us. But then we were also watching things like the fucking Jetsons. George Jetson. 
and like Star Trek and Star Wars and things like that, where you've got all of this crazy stuff that seemed so far away. And most of the stuff that's in those films is reality now. And if it's not reality now, it's in development. And, and science fiction as a genre has matured so much because now actually the technology is within reach. That's why Black Mirror is so successful as a series because a lot of people don't know this, actually. I've been surprised how many people I've had this conversation with. But Black Mirror, if you don't know, what Charlie Brooker does is he takes technology that, is all, that already exists or is already in development. Like, it's not fiction, it exists in some capacity. That technology exists, and then he takes it to the nth degree, blows it up and goes, okay, if this technology fucked us up, what would happen? Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so good, right? He's done an episode on backing up brains, essentially, like and virtual reality combined into, into one thing. Uh, but I think we have such a unique perspective, and it's such an exciting time, because bearing in mind... We're not even 30 yet. I mean, you're close, but we're not even 30 yet, right? So in 30 years, we have gone from the most exciting technology being (laughs) cassette tapes that you could record your voice onto, (laughs) like consumer consumer technology we're talking about here, to now um, being able to walk into your house and say, Siri, turn on the lights, right? That's consumer technology, and and that's the uh, oh, and also well, just being able to talk to Siri, <laughs> frankly, uh, or or Alexa, or sorry guys, or whatever the thing is, being able to talk to your computer and have a conversation quote uh, with your computer, like that's how far we've come in thirty freaking years, and it's only getting faster. It's only getting faster, and now we're having conversations about backing up your freaking brain mm-hmm. after like. Like, I don't know how much people realize that we are in science fiction now. Science fiction is the precursor to science fact, and we have gone into science fact now. And if that, if that change can happen... In th- Again, I always bring this up, right? 2000, the mobile phone didn't even have a freaking color screen. Didn't happen. It wasn't until, like, 2004, I think that color screens were a thing and they were a big deal on your mobile phone. That was 2000. That was less than 20 years ago. And look how far the mobile phone itself has come. So you can only then think the speed at which technology is developing and the, the, um, the, the compound effect of the speed that technology is developing, like where the hell are we going to be in 10 years time? And then 20 years time and another 30 years time, we'll be looking back at the iPhone 10 and being like, (laughs) and saying to our our, uh, kids like, oh, well, when we were younger, we only had an iPhone 10. Like we could, the only way we could unlock our phones was by typing in a password or having our face scanned. You don't know how lucky you are. You had to hold those blocks around you everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, like we used to watch films on TV. On TV? Yeah, it was a screen that you had either hung up on the wall or on a unit. <laughs> Not just fucking playing in your brain. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if people fathom now how far, how fast this is moving. And it's scary, 
granted but it's also so fucking exciting but yeah like like this is this is happening this is real like this is like i was saying to wayne i just think that we're at this point where it's like when humans were first given fire i feel like we're just at a point where mm. humans are just given the actual potential of technology mm. and i think when it kicks in i think wow it's going to blow our minds and i think it is going to completely change mm. society in a huge way look at the i mean it's cliche, but freaking look at the Industrial Revolution, man. Like, that, that period of 100 years of change. Like, I don't think people realize pre-Industrial Re- Revolution, like, work was going into a field and cutting wheat with a blade. Like, that's where we were at. Like, that, that, was, that was what happened. That was work. That was working life. There was no school. You just... Went on a farm, you grew your food, you sold it, whatever. Obviously, there were other jobs as well, but, like, that's the level that we were at. Everything was handmade. There was nothing made by a machine. Everything was handmade. Everything. And in that period of 100 years with the Industrial Revolution, how much that changed our world. Like, there is very few people. There are very few people now, and usually... If they are doing things the way it was pre-industrial revolution, they're usually working for museums, films, or um, it's for the novelty factor, and actually that's their unique selling point because nobody else is freaking doing it, right? And everything, the way that we live as a society with everything else is all, like, moved on from the industrial revolution, if you really think about it. So, and people are calling this the digital revolution, right? This is... This is, and you can see it, the, the speed of change. You can't keep up with it. So if that's what we're going through now, we're going through another revolution, we're only 20 years in, I would say. The consumer internet as it exists is about 20 years old, right? Maybe a little bit older now. Yeah. 20, 25 years old. So we're only a quarter of the way through. Assuming it's going to last as long as the Industrial Revolution, I think it's going to last significantly longer but we're only a quarter of the way through and think of how much has changed. And I think as more millennials grow up and move into those sort of management roles, I think it's only going to move faster because mm-hmm. I think it's the old people that are kind of holding back on the potential of technology. Yep. And so as soon as millennials kind of are in charge and they've got that money from that wealth, I think watch how much faster it's going to move forward. Wealth, millennials. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, passed down. <laughs> Oh. inheritance oh, I see. they yeah. actually say that the amount that millennials are going to inherit is the biggest ever yeah i mean so i mean that's another conversation but yeah. but but it yeah <laughs> yeah we'll suddenly be going on from like being like we can't afford a house to like fuck you guys my parents died my parents did i'm wealthy they'll be like youtube videos ads like your parents died you've got all this money what are you gonna do with it yeah there'll be business there'll be like adverts being like do you not know what to do with your inheritance? Yeah. And that would be like a whole industry, yeah. like PPI. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, cool. so we will wrap it up there. So uh, if you have any, like, there's loads of stuff that to, that to unpack in what we've just talked about. Uh, so if you've got any thoughts, please do hit us up on Twitter at PN underscore podcast. Or if you prefer, send us an email. Uh, I'm Wayne at PowerfulNonsense.com. Jem is Jem at PowerfulNonsense.com, spelled C-E-M. Um, and... Um, I'm good. I don't do this very often. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. Just. I'm not gonna ask for. I'm not gonna ask for any reviews. I'm just gonna say, like we've done over 200 episodes. There have been some people that have been listening from day freaking one. So I just want to give a shout out to them guys. 
them guys those guys <laughs> those peeps those peeps uh, and just say thanks that's it cool. we appreciate you um, and for those that are joining us for the first time thanks for tuning in hit subscribe okay thanks <laughs> uh, we will catch you next time see you later see you later